0: Welcome to Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. I'm your host, Rich Slamini. I cover the Jets for ESPN. The season changed on Sunday in Green Bay. This is not the season any of us imagined. It's time to recalibrate the expectations because right now the Jets are 4-2 and two and there's only one team in the AFC with a better record than the Jets, and that's the Buffalo Bills. So it's time to utter these words. The Jets are playoff contenders. Let's say it again because it probably sounded really strange the first time. The Jets are playoff contenders. Before the season, Joe Douglas said the goal was to be playing meaningful games in December. Well, folks, barring an utter collapse, the Jets will be playing very meaningful games in December and quite likely into early January. It was a 27-10 to 10 win over the Packers, and that win was perception-altering. Let me explain. Yes, they beat up the Miami Dolphins pretty good the week before, but that was against a third-string quarterback who was making his NFL debut off the bench. He wasn't prepared, yada, yada, yada. Sunday was against Aaron Rodgers in his house where they don't lose a lot, and they were coming off a loss. And they very rarely lose two in a row. They had won 12 straight after their previous 12 losses. So this was a team that doesn't slump. A team with an all-time great at quarterback. And the Jets went in there and beat them up. They beat them physically. They just really grinded them down and beat them up until the Packers essentially tapped out in the fourth quarter. And suddenly the Jets are number nine in the ESPN power rankings This shows that the word is out. They're no longer the cuddly little underdog. They won't sneak up on a lot of people anymore. And that presents a different set of challenges. And quite frankly, that could be a concern. It's this young team with a relatively inexperienced coaching staff, so they have not been through this situation before. That's where Robert Sala comes in. It's his job to manage the perception, to manage the expectations, And that's what he gets paid for. A lot of that job of a head coach is to do that. That's what made Bill Parcells so good. No one managed perception better than Parcells. And Robert Seller was trying after the Green Bay game. Down in the bowels of Lambeau Field at his press conference, he starts off by saying, this win doesn't mean anything. Well, I don't think any of us in the room there were falling for that. Obviously, it meant a lot. It was a statement win for the Jets. Arguably... Actually, probably not even arguably. It was their most important win since 2015, the year they went 10-6 and and almost made the playoffs. Uh, So it did mean a lot. And you could just feel it in the locker room. I was going from locker to locker talking to players, and you could sense it from what they were saying. I mean, you had Sauce Gardner still holding the cheese head that he had on his head, gallivanting around the field at the end of the game. I I was talking to Dwayne Brown, and he goes, we're for real. You know, D.J. Reed had some really interesting insights. It seems like he always has good insights, and he said a quote that really resonated with me, quote, winning is becoming normal. When's the last time you heard a Jet player say that? And then there was Sheldon Rankins, and Rankin said, quote, we believe we can be as great as any team in this league, end quote. So, yeah, the confidence has grown. The confidence is soaring. I really started to feel it after the Miami game, but I definitely got the sense after this Green Bay game that the Jets are just in a different place mentally. They just think they're good. (laughs) I mean, to be simple about it, they think they're good. So now Sala has to do a good job of managing it. You don't want the team to get complacent. You don't want them to get too confident. You want them to stay hungry. I do think this is sustainable. And let me give you a few reasons. The defense, let's start right there. Number one reason, the defense has been lights out. Remember, this defense was awful last year. They were 32nd in every meaningful category. They gave up the most points in franchise history. Right now, this defense is ranked 10th in yards allowed. They are 18th in points allowed. That is a dramatic improvement. Defense travels in the NFL, pretty much travels anywhere, any sport. and So that's why I think the defense will keep the Jets in games for the rest of the way. Vinnie Curry had some interesting comments after the game. Now, Vinnie Curry, his words matter. He has a championship ring. He won a Super Bowl with the Eagles, and he was saying how depth is so important in the NFL. That is the true formula for a championship team having good depth, and he said they have good depth at all three levels of the defense, and that was a big reason and is a big reason why they can keep this going. A little side note, you know, I was told that Vinnie Curry gave a very fiery speech to the team on Saturday night at their meeting at the hotel in Green Bay. He had asked Jeff Ulbrich, the defensive coordinator, if he could get up and speak. This was Vinny's first game back after a long journey We've talked about it, you know, just his what he had to battle back, some health issues to get back on the field. And he did speak to the team and made a really cool speech from what I was told. Another reason why you can think they sustain, can sustain this, the Jets are 3-0 and on the road. They're a good road team. They hadn't been 3-0 and since 2010, which, oh, by the way, was their last playoff season. So that's a very important ingredient for a road team for a playoff teams to win on the road another thing is favorable is the schedule they have only one elite quarterback left on their schedule and that's josh allen and of course they have to play him twice with the bills but look at some of these other guys on the schedule russell wilson this week he's not elite anymore then they have the jones zappy combo with the patriots justin fields kirk cousins jared goff you know they have trevor lawrence geno smith and then end up with tua How about this for a scenario? What if they go to Seattle, New Year's Day, to face the Seahawks and Geno Smith with a chance to lock up a playoff spot, and the guy standing their way is the ex-starter, Geno Smith? Oh, my God. That would be a great storyline if that happens. Someone, quick, get me IK and Impali on the phone. That would would be an awesome storyline. But it's, it's very realistic, actually. Geno's playing well, to his credit, and the Jets are doing well. Another reason why you have to like what the Jets are doing is that they have an identity on offense. No more of this throwing 50 times a game stuff from early in the year with Flacco. They have settled in to a run offense. It's it's kind of like the ground and pound from the Rex Ryan era. They got Brees Hall rolling. He's their new RB1. He's cranking out some major production in in the running and passing game. And they started this shift towards this philosophy Three games ago, when Zach Wilson returned to the lineup, is this a coincidence? I think not. I think it's they're doing it definitely to take some pressure off Zach Wilson, and it's working. Wilson is three and zero, obviously as a starter, and he has not committed a turnover in the last two games. So it's a very uh, it's a very specific philosophy, I believe, partly because that's what they want to be. This is San Francisco East, remember. They want to be that kind of team, but also realizing they have a very inexperienced quarterback who's coming off an injury, and they want to coach around his weaknesses. So the formula is working. Now, some concerns going forward. Let's keep it right here with Zach Wilson. He was not good in Green Bay. Except for one or two throws, he was fairly bad against the Packers. Since coming back to the lineup, He's had only 572 passing yards in three games. This is the NFL. And let's be honest, 72 yards on that long play to Brees Hall against Miami, which was a busted coverage. You take away those 79, he's got 493 passing yards, which comes out to 164 per game and only one touchdown pass. That is not good. They're terrible on third down. They're 12 for 37 In the last three games on third down, 33% is not going to cut it. Like I said, this is a conservative philosophy, play calling. They're calling plays as if they still think Zach Wilson has the training wheels on. At least that's the way I read it. I think it's pretty obvious. He had only one pass attempt over 20 yards against the Packers. That was the long one to Corey Davis. He's had only 39 pass attempts in the last two games. I think he was a little confused by what the packers were doing in the first half in particular they were playing a lot of, a lot of extra dbs uh, i saw them with a dime package against three wide receivers you don't often see that uh, so they were using a lot of extra db packages a cha- occasionally faking blitz and dr- then dropping seven into coverage so i think he got caught off guard by it i think he held the ball too long and look they won the game we're nitpicking but we have to point it out; it's our job. I do think the Jets can win a lot of games with this philosophy—maybe uh, eight, nine, even ten games—make the playoffs. But they're not obviously; they're not going to go far in January if they don't get more production out of the quarterback position. Now, this is part of the development. I think no one expected Zach Wilson to be Josh Allen in year two. I'm just saying that ultimately, for the Jets to be a championship-caliber team. They're going to have to get more production out of Zach Wilson. Now, this is going to be a rough road these next few weeks. They've got Denver this week. That's the number three defense. they got New England. New England's 15, but, you know, they always have causing trouble for Wilson. Remember that awful game last year in MetLife? And then they have Buffalo ranked number two in defense. So this is going to be a rough road for Zach Wilson these next few weeks. The Jets have the resources. Uh, They have the resourcefulness to work around that. That's why you should be happy with the Jets. They're moving in the right direction, and they're getting there a lot sooner than any of us imagined. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. It's Twitter time. We're going with some extra questions today because frankly there were a lot of good questions this week. And we'll start with at T underscore Delgado twenty four. Uh why do you think Elijah Moore isn't getting targets? And what's the best way to get him more involved? So I'm sitting in a bar. How do you that's a good way to start an answer? I'm sitting in a bar next to Lambeau Field after the game on Sunday night, and it suddenly occurs to me. Um that Elijah Moore, I'm like, how many times did he get targeted in the game? And I checked the stats, and you know, officially it was no targets. Uh, they did throw to him once, but the play uh, was uh, nullified because of a penalty. So that just struck me as odd, and I tweeted it out as I was sitting there eating my dinner uh, at uh, at the place next to Lambeau And unbeknownst to me, until a little bit later, I, I, Elijah Moore retweeted it and uh, added on some commentary, which became a story. You know, obviously he's frustrated. I know he's been frustrated for a few weeks. This is not just a one-game thing. I think he uh, has a right to be frustrated because he just not has not been getting the ball. He's only had four catches in the last three games since Zach Wilson returned to quarterback. And I do think they have to find ways to get him involved. He is a good player. Get the ball to him in space. Try some of those bubble screens. I watched some Monday night's game with uh, – With the Chargers. And my God, Justin Herbert seems to be throwing a bubble screen on every other play. Get the ball into Elijah's hands that way. I think he can be productive. Um, you got to get him involved. And clearly he's frustrated. He's been playing a lot. He's running a lot of routes. Just not getting the ball. That's got to change. Next from at Draped in Yellow. How did Elijah Vera Tucker play in his second game at right tackle? Um, He notes that this is incredible uh, what he's done for the team. Uh, Chris. I uh, I have a really cool story posting on Wednesday morning on ESPN.com about Elijah Vera Tucker and what he's doing about playing all these positions. Definitely want to check out that story. How's that for a shameless plug? Next one from at Cam McLaurin. Rich, you're one of my favorite Twitter follows. Love reading your content. You provide a sober estimate of the team. How often in your career have players or coaches responded to your tweets or articles surrounding them or the team? Uh, well, obviously you had the Elijah Moore situation where he was a sense, uh, in a sense agreeing with me and uh, probably not a great look for Elijah Moore, you know, expressing some frustra- frustration publicly. And Robert Sala explained to the reporters on Monday that he did have a conversation with Elijah. So you, you want to keep those things in-house. Uh, so obviously in that case, Mekhi Beckton seemed to be getting after me pretty good on Twitter in the preseason. Uh, I thought that was fairly immature on his part. He's got some growing up to do. But, yeah, I mean, I've people have gone after me on Twitter before. And I, you'd be surprised at how many people even now in the building send me, you know, texts on uh, things I write and often positive texts on how they enjoyed a certain article. So I'll just leave it at that. At Mr. Max G, is it just me or is Zach's main issue that he's holding the ball too long? This was a problem last year. He still needs to work on it, making his reads quicker and getting the ball out. Uh, And and you're absolutely right, Mr. Max. That is a really astute observation. I did check next-gen stats. And over the last three games with Zach Wilson at quarterback, his release time from snap to release is 3.2 seconds. That is easily the slowest in the league over those last three games. You're right. He's holding the ball too long. It has to come out quicker. Next one from at DonoGD2. Darren O'Donohue with this question. What do you think the reason is for the lack of chemistry between Wilson and Wilson? Uh, is Zach Wilson spending the preseason with the uh, – is it is it um, Garrett Wilson spending the preseason with the twos? If so, how would you change your strategy with future first-round picks in the preseason? Uh, um, Darren Garrett Wilson got a lot of time with the starters in the preseason so it was not that not that at all I think in this past game the reason was Zaire Alexander he was on Garrett Wilson most of the game and shut him down but you're right in the last three games Garrett Wilson has only six catches he had 18 in the first three why is that could it be the quarterback change yes I think that has a lot to do with it. Zach Wilson does not see the field as well as Joe Flacco does, and that's why I think he tends to lock on to certain receivers. Clearly, Corey Davis, one of those receivers. I think Zach needs to see the field better because there's talent out there. There's Elijah Moore out there. There's Garrett Wilson out there, and you got to try to get those guys the ball. At Jazzy T100, with the trade deadline fast approaching, do you see Joe Douglas targeting any players for depth like offensive tackle and or shipping players out like Bryce Hall or Denzel Mims for picks? Uh, You know, I think Joe Douglas is always looking. I think they have offensive tackle depth, which is something we wouldn't have been saying about a month from now. But you look at it, you know, they have a good offensive line right now, and they have George Fant eligible next week to come off IR. They have Max Mitchell in a couple of more weeks. And so, you know, they have eight offensive linemen right now on the roster. So I don't think they're going to be looking for tackle depth at all. Um, You know, maybe a safety depth, possibly. Uh, Maybe a big defensive tackle. You know, but who's giving those away? But as for Hall and Mims, yes, I definitely think the Jets would be interested in listening to offers for those players Neither one of them is doing anything. They're just rotting on the bench. I think uh, Bryce Hall is someone, you know, who maybe could benefit from a change of scenery. Same with Denzel Mims. I think both these players do have t- certain amount of talent, especially Mims, and could benefit by a change of scenery. But uh, I-, I think they would only do it if they received the right offer. Now, I know in the preseason the Jets were looking for a fourth-round pick for Mims. There is no way they are getting for a fourth-round pick for Denzel Mims. They would have to take something like a sixth or seventh rounder in the 24 draft, something along those lines. And I just don't think Joe Douglas would want to do that. I think he prefers to have the insurance policy on his bench. But it's uh, it, the Mims in, situation in particular is something that bears watching over these next few days because there could be something there. Uh, next one at Mr. Falkeroy. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but I apologize. What happened with the penalty against the Jets sideline? Uh, and he uh, that was the unsportsmanlike conduct and uh, one of the jets assistant coaches got too far on the field and actually clipped a official when he ran by and they like kind of like grazed shoulders and you're not allowed to obviously touch the official I don't know this for sure, but I think it was miles Austin the jets receivers coach who may have gotten a little bit a little bit too out far out on the field. next one from at watchdog 6. Do you think that Jeremy Ruckert should get some playing time due to the underwhelming performances of C.J. Uzama and Tyler Conklin, or do their contracts play a part in that? Um, well, first of all, you know, I, Jeremy Ruckert is pl- not playing because the coaches don't think he's ready. And that's a little bit concerning. and you know, he did miss a lot of time in the offseason, but he did have enough training camp time to get up to speed. He was replaced this week. He was a healthy scratch. They wanted to have Kenny Yeboah on the roster as the third tight end over Ruckert, which is like a little bit of a head-scratcher. I mean, this is a third-round pick. He should be your third tight end. I just think the coaches don't feel he's ready. Uh, I don't think Azama and Tyler Conklin are playing that badly. I just don't think the tight ends have been incorporated into the offensive game plans uh, as of yet. Next one from Matt. Steve Simon says, Quentin Williams has been the best Defensive player in the NFL, not named Parsons since his sideline outburst. What changed and how will his soon-to-be mega contract impact keeping other guys? Um, You know, a lot of guys have been playing well besides Micah Parsons, Yabosa, Garrett, Chubb, who the Jets will see on Sunday. So there's been some other really good defensive performances this year. But you're absolutely right, uh, Steve. Quinton Williams is having uh, easily the best season of his career. Uh, He has... A one year left on his contract he is signed for 2023 i think it's about 11 million or so that's his fifth year option i fully expect the jets to try to do a extension with him before next season starts uh, i was talking to michael carter the other day the running back and he goes quinnon absolutely deserves a hundred million dollar contract and i think that'll probably be what he it falls in line with you know, he's probably going to be looking for 20 million a year, probably about five years. So, Quentin Williams is going to get that money, it'll be the richest contract in Jet history, and he's going to get it, assuming he keeps up this play. And uh, it would be well deserved, to be quite honest. And I don't think it would have a huge impact on other players. I mean, the, you got to pay to keep your own guys, he's a homegrown player. It's high time that the Jets reverse a trend and start keeping their own good players. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now let's talk about Sunday. Jets at Denver. Denver 2-4 coming off a, uh, a loss on Monday to the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Russell Wilson, who's been terrible this year. Uh, I mean, just really one of the big disappointments in the NFL under new coach Nathaniel Hackett, who's been terrible. Uh, Russell has a hamstring injury. Uh, Apparently, he's day-to-day. You know, have to think he'd do everything possible to play. If he doesn't, it's Brett Rippon. Jet fans will remember him a couple of years ago. He beat the Jets in that primetime game at MetLife, coming out of nowhere to beat the Jets. You have to expect, you would think Russell Wilson will be the guy, but uh, he's just been awful. I mean, their passing game is completely out of sync. He and Jerry Judy are not on the same page. Melvin Gordon's in the doghouse now. But they do have a really, really good defense. Pat Sertan and Justin Simmons on the back end. You're talking about two elite defensive backs. I'd be surprised if Zach Wilson throws for 100 yards in this game. And same token for Russell Wilson. I think he's going to really struggle against the Jet defense. So I see a low-scoring, ugly game here. But I'm thinking to myself, why shouldn't the Jets win this game? They're playing better than Denver right now, so I'm going to pick Jets 19-10 to in this game. The Jets continue their winning ways, extend it to four in a row, and then they come home against the Patriots. That will be a big, big, exciting divisional game if that's the scenario. But, yeah, I do think the Jets will win in Denver. Uh, defense travels, tough place to play. Altitude is definitely a factor there. But this this Denver offense is just is just in a really bad place right now, and uh, and I do think the Jets will capitalize. So like I said, Jets nineteen ten. Thank you for joining us in this week's episode of Flight Deck. Thanks as always to Jeff Scopin, the producer extraordinaire. Enjoy the game on Sunday. I'll be in Denver. If you're there, enjoy Denver. It's a nice place. We'll talk to you next week on Flight Deck.